series last week, uh, Pastor Ted there uh, got us going on gratitude, living a life of thankfulness. And uh, he brought out such a good word out of Psalms, what was it, Psalms 103. It says, forget not the Lord, O my soul, or all his benefits. And, and, and so we were going to continue on that, that, that thought because he closed with a set of scriptures that I actually I want to open with in just a moment. Um, what happens is when we go through this uh, time that we're, we're going through right now, it gets busy, and what do we do about it? We complain. Are you okay, Denise? She's like, oh man, we're starting this already. <laughs> we get busy, and we complain. And then, and then, I don't do this. Then somebody has to cook all the food, and we complain. And then, well, then we have to spend time with so-and-so, and we don't really like so-and-so very much. So what do we do? We complain. I, I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room because everybody's smiling and happy. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, then if you're like me, you have to travel. What do we do about it? We complain. <laughs> and then somebody's got to do all those dishes. What do we do about it? We complain. And then, you know, I don't know about you all, if you're Black Friday shoppers, uh, good for you. I'm not. You know why? Because if I went, you know what I'd do? Complain. <laughs> I, when did Black Friday start the week before? I'm getting stuff in my email now, Gary, that says Black Friday started now. No, it don't. But what do we do? We have made this every this whole season that is supposed to be about worship and about thankfulness and about gratitude. It has become so hectic, so busy, so crazy that now we complain more than we do anything. Not you. Right? <laughs> Studies have shown, guys, that there are few things that's more detrimental to our health than a bad attitude. You know, your attitude actually affects your health. And so that's what I want to look at because attitude begins with a complete mindset and our perspective gets stuck in, in negativity. And when our perspective gets stuck in negativity, then our body, our behaviors, our mental and emotional states, they follow. And it all seems to go downhill from there. Today I want to look at a, a subject that's going to be real fun. So just hang on. Since we're looking at a series called Gratitude, today I want to talk about ingratitude. <laughs> the American Heritage Dictionary says this about ingratitude. <coughs> Maybe. Um, it says it's the lack of or the absence of gratitude. Ingratitude is the lack of the absence of gratitude. It is an indis indisposition to acknowledge the reciprocity of favors. In other words, it's when somebody has done something so great for you that it's totally changed your life forever and we're like, oh, well, that's nice. Thank you, I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a state of unthankfulness for the benefits that's been received. And it's an insensibility or a forgetfulness of 
kindness or favor is shown. Now, I want to go to the scripture that we looked at last week. Go to Psalms 106. You might want to adjust me a little bit. I seem a little loud still. I see Carol's hair blowing backward. Uh, In Psalms 106, and I'm reading from uh, the Passion Translation, it says, and yet they still didn't believe your words and they despised the land of delight you gave to them. They still, after God, now we're gonna look at this and why this just shows up in Psalms. It said, they still didn't believe your word and they despised, they got to the point where they were living in the land of delight that God had given them and they began to despise the good thing that God gave them. He says, and they despised uh, the land of delight that you gave them, verse 25, and they grumbled oh, and found fault with everything. Don't get so quiet yet, you know. They grumbled and found fault with everything and they closed their hearts to your voice. Ingratitude is usually shows up in one way and it's found in that verse right there. It's found in grumbling. You can usually tell when we have crossed a line from being grateful and having a grat- an attitude of gratitude until we found him play- fell in, fallen into ingratitude because we have come to the place where the things that come out of our mouth are not happy, happy, joy, joy. It's grumbling. We find fault in everything. We forget all the benefits that, that, that Pastor Ted talked about last week. We forget all his benefits and now in everything good that he has given us, we find ourselves still complaining. Not you, I know. Grumble, grumble. It says they grumbled in their tents and because of the grumbling in their tents, they actually shut their heart off from the voice of God. How many of you know today that our grumbling, our complaining will actually shut our heart off? Why? Because you ever done something good for somebody and then they complain about it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the complete opposite. And so this is what we're gonna focus, focus on today. Since we're entering a season of thanksgiving, of wondering what it is that really comes out of our mouth. Because grumbling, folks, it's an actual rejection. Hang on, if you're writing this down, write it down, good. Grumbling is a rejection of the grace and favors of God. It's a rejection of, what did it say? It said they began to find fault in everything and they despised the land of delight that God had given to them. It is when we fall into this grumbling and complaining and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff that comes out of our mouth. We are actually looking at God. I know you've blessed me beyond measure. Listen, I was talking to Galen back there today and we were talking about this cold weather we're living in. Dee and I lived in north central Canada for a couple of years. Y'all ain't seen cold yet. We spent most of the time, our last winter there, at negative 20 every day. Let, let me tell you something. At negative 20 in the school systems, as long as it's negative 20 and a little warmer, the kids go outside for recess. <laughs> Most of our nights 
Tanya was negative 40. And we saw several nights of negative 60. And I come here and it's 28 degrees. Oh, I hate this cold. <laughs> I could be there again. <laughs> now see, that's what I'm saying. We find fault in everything. I came in the other night and I was cold. And I ran in the house and I started to open my mouth. And I said, oh, oh, oh. I'm preaching this myself. And I, I went in and I sat down and said, God, I thank you. I had a car to get here today. God, I thank you that I can go from these clothes into warm pajamas. I sat down on the side of my bed and I pulled up some muckluck socks that my mom bought me a couple years ago. You know what muckluck socks are? Oh, those are nice. I pulled those up and I said, I thank you, God, that I've got mucklucks because somebody don't. You see, when we fall into this complaining thing, we'll begin to look at everything that we're blessed with and all of a sudden, it develops into an attitude of this just ain't good enough. It could be better. Well, it could be worse too. Come on. So we're gonna look at the children of Israel. In Exodus 15, we find the children of Israel, had came, had, they had just come out of Egypt, they had just crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They looked behind them and the waters closed over the, over the Pharaoh and the Egyptians who was following them. But that wasn't good enough. Go to uh, chapter 15, where are we going? Uh, verse 22. Exodus 15, 22. I'll give you a moment if you're flipping or tapping or looking up. In Exodus 15, 22, he says, and then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of it, the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And so look what they did. And the people murmured. They complained. Now God had already just brought, three days earlier, they saw God part water. Three days earlier, they saw God drive up mud. They walked right through the middle of the Red Sea and seen the fish come over and look and see what's going on. And Y'all ever seen that question? They're going through on dry ground. They watched their enemy completely get destroyed by the water and now just three days later, what are they doing? Sounds just like me. I can see God do the greatest things, see him do the most fantastical things that I've ever imagined in my life and all of a sudden, something doesn't go my way. This just ain't good enough. I'm gonna sit here and pout a little while. What am I doing? I'm rejecting the grace of God. I'm rejecting what he's already done for me and I'm beginning to shut my heart off. Oh. He says, and they murmured against Moses and saying, what shall we drink? Jump down to verse 25. It says, and when he cried to the Lord, now Moses went to God and said, hey God, they're out here, they're thirsty, they're complaining, they're whining. I know you don't do this. <laughs> he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had thrown the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. 
Three days earlier, they watched God part the sea. They watched God dry up the dirt. Now, here we stand complaining because, you know, like somehow the same God that parted the sea was just gonna let me thirst to death. (laughs) Or somehow maybe he used up all his miracle power to get us out here just to let us die. And the waters were bitter. God says, throw that branch in it, throw that tree over there. They threw it over, and what does God do? He provides again. Go to Exodus 16, verse two. Yeah. Exodus 16, verse two. Oh, we gonna read 27? Sorry, Michael, Michael's going, you're not done, buddy. Verse 27 of, of 15. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Folks, do you realize this? They grumbled and complained when just around the bend, there was more than enough. I wonder how many times that I've cut myself off to the voice of God when just around the corner was more than enough than I would ever have wanted. But I find myself out here grumbling and complaining and whining and crying. And, <laughs> and I say, God, why did you bring me out here? You brought me all the way out here. You brought me this way to let me die. And he said, if you would have just held on, but because I'm a good God, here, let me provide for you here. And then they went just a little further. And then they found a place that had 12 wells. Not only was he going to provide them with enough water, he was going to give them shade from the sun. God always has more for you than you can ever, ever think of. Matter of fact, doesn't Ephesians tell us that? It says, my God shall supply all my needs, all my, all my needs according to his riches in glory. And Ephesians says that he was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or even dream up. Just a little while farther. Now let's go to 16.2. You good? Remember, I'm talking about the person sitting beside of you. I'm not talking about you. The whole congregation of the children of Israel, what do we find them doing here? One chapter later, a few verses later, every one of them, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And now the children of Israel said to them, would God that we have died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat? They said, oh man, God, you brought us all the way out of here. We're just gonna die out here. I wish I was still in bondage. I wish I was still strapped down under the thing that I prayed so hard to get out of. I had it better over there. We sat down, we had pots of meat. They actually preferred bondage to the freedom God had given them. And this, and they were grumbling against the God who had already parted waters, who already turned poison water into good water, who had already taken them to a place where there were wells of water and palm trees to sit under. And they said, I preferred bondage to this. Now remember what Psalms 106 said. They complained about everything and they despised the land of promise 
Man, that sounds a lot like me, Rachel. I find myself doing this. I'm going through something and, and, and I forget that I've got more shirts in my closet. Come on. I forget that I have pants folded on the, on, on the shelf. I forget that I can open up my cabinets and find food. I forget and all of a sudden I find myself complaining in my house wishing that it was somehow better back before I found this freedom. And what do I do? I start complaining. This is not living a life of gratitude. I start despising where I'm at. Listen, it'll take me a while to clean out my, my my refrigerator is not always full, but there's always something in it. My freezer is not always full, but there's always something in it. My cabinets, listen, if it gets all the way down to the jar of pickled pig's feet that's in the back of my cabinet right now, I'm not joking, there's a jar of pickled pig's feet in the back of my cabinet. I will always have something, why? Because I have to remember that the God who every time that I went and I thought I was never gonna get it, I thought I was never gonna have it, he always shows up right on time. If I'll just give him a moment to work, I can give him that time. He will work on my behalf because he delights in the prosperity of his servants. Oh, glory. He said they begin to murmur, verse three. And now the children of Israel said to them, would to God that we died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Verse four. Isn't it funny how even the basest things is what's making them complain? Water. Food. Verse four, and then the Lord said to Moses, 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 indeed, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Fine, if what I have done is not enough, it's bread, bread from heaven is going to pour out of the skies. I will fill you. This is God's promise to always provide for his people. And as he has always provided for them, they still found themselves complaining. He said, and the people shall go and gather a certain amount every day. I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not, verse five. And it will come to pass on the sixth day they shall prepare what they, that which they bring in and it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So on the sixth day, they gathered more. Uh, how much did God, I would, Glenn, I would have loved to have seen how much stuff fell out of the sky every morning that they gathered up as much as they would need for the day. Didn't God say, I will provide all your needs? And we complain, why? Because we don't trust him. Try that over here. They got it. We complain because we just don't trust him. Verse uh, six, I think's where we're at. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he hears your murmurings. 
Where, against who? Now it started out that they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Well, I'm not complaining about God. I'm complaining about the leader. I'm complaining about the ones who brought me out, the, the leader. What did Moses and Aaron tell them? God has heard your murmurings against him. You may think you could complain about men all you want, about the power company all you want, about your cell phone company all you want. But what happens is God hears our murmurings and he begins to take it personally. <laughs> he says, they've heard your murmuring against the Lord. Uh, and what are we that you should murmur against us? Verse eight. Then Moses said, then this will happen. When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread in the morning to satisfy. He said, listen, God's heard your complainings. You're complaining against him. So what he's gonna do, and see, now before you get to the point where we think this works like our children, complain long enough and I'll give you what you want to shut you up. <laughs> oh, my kids is the only one that did that when they were little. <laughs> Fine, shut up. This isn't what God's doing here. But God will never let go of his promise that he will meet your needs. He says he'll, he'll give you meat in the evenings and bread in the mornings for the Lord hears your murmurings against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. See, this is why complaining rejects the grace that God has already poured in our life. Because we're really not complaining against this. Well, I'm not complaining against God, I'm complaining against the situation. Complain's complain, Kevin. Grumbling's grumbling no matter what I do with it or what I do about it. It's still coming out of my mouth. It's still an attitude, Rachel. It's still something that comes out of me that I am not thankful. I'm not being... I'm not living in a place of gratitude. Verse nine. So Moses said to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. So as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and indeed the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the murmurings. Oh, you say, why do you keep reading this? Because I want us to get to the point this morning for us to realize that God is not ignoring the complaining that comes out of our mouth. Hmm. I know you don't do it. But God hears the complaining that comes out of our mouth. Hmm. He said, I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them and say, in the evening you shall have, you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so in the evening the quail came up and covered the camp. Now, you gotta remember, these are mil this is millions of people. Millions upon millions of people, Brent. And it said, when the evening came, the whole entire camp was covered with birds. Rotisserie chickens falling from heaven. 
He said the entire camp was covered with quail. And in the morning, a layer, <laughs> a layer uh, 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 of dew was surrounding the camp. And when the layer of dew evaporated on the surface of the wilderness, there lay a small flaky thing as fine as the frost. You know what we would have done? Oh, great, I got to pick up bread off the ground and eat it off the ground. <laughs> Five second rule. <laughs> See, we would have fell into complaining again. I'm not eating that. It's, got, it's on the ground. You mean I have to bend over, pick it up, put it in a basket, go back to the house, pour honey on. You see, that's the attitude that we fall into. We get to the place where we're despising the grace and the mercy that he is pouring out on our life. Oh, glory. <laughs> go to verse 14. And when the layer of dew evaporated on the surface of the wilderness, there lay a small flaky thing as fine as a frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one thing, what is it? Thank you, God, we got food. No, what is that? <laughs> well, what is it? Just eat it. It's on the ground. For they did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, this is the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. There's a guy, his name was David Hume, whom he was a philosopher. Listen to this quote, he said. He said, of all the crimes that human creatures are capable of committing, the most horrid and unnatural is ungratitude. Of all the crimes the human creature is able of committing, the most horrid is ungratitude. Go to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. And therefore, the people, I mean verse two, sorry. Exodus 17, verse two. And therefore the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. Haven't we already been down this road? That word contended is the same word as murmuring and complaining and grumbling. They were arguing is what they were doing. They said, give us water. They, now this is the same people who saw the, river, the, the Red Sea part, who saw a, a tree branch thrown into water, poison waters, and it was made drinkable who went just a little further up the road and found 12 wells and palm trees to sit under and partake of. This is the same people who when they thought they were gonna die of hunger, God sent some kind of bread flaky thing and covered the entire ground. When they thought they were gonna die of hunger, he sent rotisserie chickens to cover all the place. And here we find them again. We need water. See, you see the attitude of the children of Israel. Sounds a lot like me sometimes, Karen. I'll be honest, nobody else in here will be honest, I will. It sounds like me sometimes. Because I can find myself walking in so much blessing and all of a sudden, Dave, one things don't go my way and I'm like, God, you're just gonna let me down now. King James Bible of that verse says that they began to chide, which means to complain and grumble. 
It means to cause controversy. How quickly they forgot the benefits of serving God. Go to Numbers chapter 11. You say, why are we doing this? (laughs) Because, I'll show you in the scripture here in a minute why. Numbers chapter 11, verse one. It says, now when the people complained openly, did they never learn? (laughs) Why don't they learn? It says, when they, <laughs> it says, when the people complained openly before the Lord, the Lord heard, now look, and his anger burned. Now, did that mean God didn't love them? No. Listen, because I got angry at my kids, doesn't mean I'm, I don't love them anymore. <laughs> Their attitude, come on. Their attitude caused God's anger to rise. And so when they openly complained before the Lord, he says that his anger burned, then the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed the outer part of the outer skirts of the camp. As a fire came up and surrounded them. Heidi, if I would catch this, and I realized that every time I complained, I go outside and there's a fire around my house. Guess what I'd stop doing? <laughs> but they don't learn. Said he's, They complained and the fire of God began to consume around the camp. We would quit complaining if God would still do this. Uh, maybe. Probably not. Jump down to verse six. But now your life is dried up. And there is nothing at all. And now our life is dried up and there's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now they're complaining about the bread. We don't have anything to eat. Here's bread. Bend over, pick it up. It covers the ground. Now we ain't got nothing but this old manna. Oh, we would never do that. Don't lie to me. How many times have you ever went and stood in front of your refrigerator, opened the door, looked at it like it was a portal to some other dimension? Closed it and turned around and said, we ain't got nothing to eat. (laughs) We, We fall into this very same thing. But imagine in this season, if we will learn the lesson of the children of Israel and what it cost them to live in an attitude of ingratitude. Imagine what our next year would be if every day we woke up declaring, God, I thank you that I've got clothes, I've got shoes. I've I've told you all this before. You know, I used to be a, a substance abuse counselor. For about 14 years, I only worked with substance abuse folks. And they would come in and grumble and complain and their life is a mess and their life's a wreck and I would, Gary, what I would do is I say, go home and get a pad of paper or get a notebook. And I want you to start when you walk out my door and get in a car. And I want you to write down car. And when you pull up to your house, I want you to write down exact everything you see. Windows, door, porch, steps, yard, dogs. I said, when you walk in the door, I want you to open the door and I want you to look at everything you see and write it down. 
And then I want you to go into your kitchen and go through every little thing in your refrigerator and write it down. And then I want you to go to your cabinets and write down every pot, every pan, every jar of pickled pig's feet. <laughs> write it all down. And then I want you to go through your bedroom. As you walk by, look in there and say, oh, I've got a toilet, write it down. I've got a sink, write it down. I've got a shower, write it down. And when you think, and you go through, I got five pair of underwear. You're washing it pretty frequently that way, aren't you? I've got socks, I've got shoes, I've got Folks, let me tell you, if we would take account of our life, we would never ever run out of things to be thankful for. If we would take this kind of account into our life, we would be able to thank him for days and days and days and never run out. And then every time the mully grubs come around, we get our book out. When it didn't go my way, I get my book out and I begin to say, I've got it, I've got it. Yep, I still got it. Yep, I still got it. I didn't lose it today. I didn't lose it yesterday. I still got Oh, what an attitude would change in my life. And then what am I doing? I'm keeping my heart open to the voice of the Lord. Ooh. So they're complaining about food they got now. Go to verse chapter 21 of Numbers. Verse five. And the people, the people, the people, The people spoke against God and against Moses. See, now he's not even talking about how they're just speaking against Moses and Aaron. God's actually letting us know who they're really complaining against. And when the people complained and spoke against God and Moses saying, why have you brought us up from Egypt? They're wanting to go back to bondage again. They went through the Red Sea turned poison water into drinkable water. They went to a place that had 12 wells and palm trees. When they felt like they had no food, he covered the ground with bread and brought quail in in the evening to cover. And here we are in Numbers 21 now. And what are they complaining about? They ain't got no bread or water. When will they remember the same God that brought them out of Egypt is the same God who's always met their needs every day. Sounds a lot like me. I fall into this too. Come on, let's be honest. You've brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness for there's no bread or water and our soul loathes. They got to the place where they despised the blessings of God. You know what we do when we get to that place, Jody? We're looking at God and says, what you've provided is not good enough. Oh yeah, you've been good to me, but you haven't been good enough. You spoiled, ungrateful. You know what I do? You know what I do to my kids? They come to me that way. Sydney better be glad she got married. What you've done for me has been great, God. It's been miraculous, but it's not good enough. Our soul loathes 
this manna, this work. Look what, back that up. Uh, 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 who's back there today? Michael. Back that up to that verse. He said, our soul loathes this worthless. They didn't just hate the thing of God. They called it worthless. It's not good enough. Our soul loathes. Do you know what happens right after this if you read on? This is when serpents came out of the wilderness. Come with me. This is, this is when this attitude brought serpents out of the wilderness and began to bite them. And they began to fall dead. What caused it? They're grumbling, complaining, ingrate attitude. Ingrate, ingrateful. Their attitude of ingratitude. And then what happened? God had to go to Moses and said, hey man, you're gonna kill them all. God says, make a serpent out of brass, put it on a pole, take it out through there, and everyone who looks at the serpent will be healed. And we know, you all know the story, so I'm not gonna go into it. Their attitude was actually a faithless act that insinuated God's grace was not enough. And rather than choosing to be grateful for drop from the sky food and rise from the ground meals, they sat back and said, the miracles you've already provided me aren't enough. See, this is what grumbling does to us. It, 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 it's, it's this sin that comes in our lives. And I know we don't like to talk about sin, but you know, it's a sin. It's against God. And what it does, it comes out in discontentment. It comes out as fussiness. It can come out as gossip. They compl- <laughs> Negativity, intolerance, patience. And it gives us this attitude that we don't have to. What it actually says is why me? Nobody here has ever asked this, I know. Why me? God, why is this happening to me? Yeah, I know you've been good. I know you've provided for me. I know I've got food in the, I know that God, but why is this happening to me? Or God, why did that happen to Sheila and not happen to me? Rather than living in a life of gratitude for what I have, I want to figure out why she's got it and I want it. Rather than dealing with my own covetousness. Okay. Moving on. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. We're coming down. We're landing. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. He says, and don't murmur against God. This is a command. He didn't say, please, here, Alice. Rocky, he didn't ask for, he didn't, this is not a suggestion. He said, and don't murmur against God and his dealings with you. Ooh. As some of them did, for that was why God sent his angel to destroy them. Not because he was mad at them. They're grumbling. They're complaining. It's like living under an umbrella. Gratitude keeps me here. And all the junk that falls around, it just kind of hits the umbrella. And, but when I start grumbling and complaining, I move out from under that umbrella. 
When I fall into this sin, and now I'm out here where everything that's fallen is gonna land right on my head. But gratitude will keep me over here, open to the voice of God moving in my own heart. Verse 11, he said, and all these things happened. Why did we just go through all this? For this verse right here. And all of these things happened as examples, as object lessons. This is the living Bible. These happened as examples and object lessons. I'm in verse 11. To warn us against doing the same things. So all of that stuff was put down so that you and I could look at it on days like today and not fall into the same trap. It wasn't just put in there for no reason. It was to tell you don't do the same things. And he goes on, he said they were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world ends. So how do we do it? then you have today, today make a decision to exchange your grumbling, your complaining for something else. Real quickly, go to Philippians chapter two. Do all things. Everybody say all things. All things. Rocky, same thing, bub. It's not a suggestion here. Do all things without grumbling and fault finding. when you have to sit beside so-and-so this week. (laughs) Do all things without complaining. When we have to fight Walmart. (laughs) Do all things without complaining. When it's the very thing that you don't want to do, do all things without grumbling and fault finding and complaining because it's actually against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves, verse 15, that you may show yourself blameless. Staying in an attitude of gratitude, you present yourself before God as blameless. Ooh. That you may show yourself to be blameless, guileless, innocent, You mean an uncontaminated children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable? This is the Amplified Classic. In the midst of a a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars, beacons, shining out clearly in a dark world, all because you decide you're going to quit complaining. When I decide I'm gonna quit complaining, I present myself to God and he looks at me and says, that's an innocent one. There's no fault in that one. There's no guile in that one. You present yourself, verse 16, holding out to it, to what? To this world and to all the men, the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may have something of which is exultantly and rejoice and glory that I did not run my race in vain or spend my labor. (laughs) I got a few more. Maybe we're not landing, we're circling. (laughs) I don't wanna hear nothing from you. (laughs) 
<laughs> he, he said he won't complain, so. Go to First Thessalonians. This is stuff's too good. We got to take something home, right? I've already made us feel bad. <laughs> I want to know what God's purpose is for my life. I'm going to tell you. Right now, I can tell you exactly what God's plan is for your life. You ready? This next scripture will tell you exactly what God's plan is. Go ahead, Michael. Let joy be your continual feast. Okay? Verse uh, 17. Make your life a prayer. Not saying prayers, your whole life is a prayer. Now, here we go. Verse 18. And in the midst of everything, always be giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. This is, King James says, I believe it says, this is God's will for your life. What is God's will for my life? To let joy be always in my life, to make my life a prayer, and in all things give thanks. And if I'm giving thanks in all things, then I don't have time to complain and whine and grumble. And God's plan for you is to live a whole life. <laughs> Psalms 95, we're gonna close right here. Stand up with me. When I'm done, we'll have Pastor Ted come and speak a blessing over you and send you out of here. Psalms 95, verse one. Let's read it together. You ready? Come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praise to our God who saved us. Everyone, come and meet his face with a thankful heart. <laughs> Don't hold back your praise. Make him great. Mm. By the praise shouts of your what? Joy. By the shouts of your joy. He's not giving you a chance to complain here. He's not going to give you the opportunity. Ah, glory. Where are we at? Verse 3. For the Lord is the greatest of all. King God over all other gods. Woo! In the one hand, he holds the mysteries of the earth. In the other, he holds the highest mountain peaks. He is the owner oh, of every ocean, the engineer uh, and sculptor of the earth itself. Come and kneel before this creator God. Come and bow before the, ooh, the mighty God, our majestic maker. Father, forgive us for our complaining, forgive us for our grumbling, forgive us for our attitudes, and Father, today we repent of that junk in our lives and we declare over ourselves we will live a lifestyle of gratitude in all that we do, in all that we say, and in all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.